um, let's get into this this brand new study because we're studying the book of James. And, and the title of this, this study tonight is, It's Time to Grow Up. Isn't it the truth? I, I, I want our nation to grow up. I want people to grow in the maturity of God has called us to be. So when we look at the book of James, James 1.1, and we're going to start there, I, I'm going to begin by asking you, have you ever thought about taking a trip, but you didn't know where you were going to go, what you are going to do, or how you are going to get there? Well, I don't think you've ever really done anything like that. Anytime we plan to go on a trip, there's a reason. And we, we already know what we want to experience. We know where we want to go, and we know how we're going to get there. Well, that's what I'm going to do this evening, is that there's some very important questions I'm going to be asking you and myself as we study this, this um, first verse in James 1.1. And, and the very first thing I want to talk about is, who was James? James 1, 1 says this, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the name of James in the New Testament is like Smith in America today. And let's take a, a little closer look here at who this James was not. This James was, well, there's James, the son of Zebedee, the brother of John. Now, that James was probably the most popular of all the Jameses because he was one of the original 12. He was a fisherman as well. He was, his brother was John, and they both were called sons of thunder. He was the very first disciple to be martyred for the faith. In Acts 12, 1 and 2 reads this way, it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church. Intending to persecute them, he had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. Wow. He was put to death because he went to church. And then there was the James, um, the son of Alphaeus. Now, that James... Well, he was not so popular. We know of him out of Acts 1, 13, but we know very little bit about him. And did you know that Matthew had the same um, father because Matthew was a son of Alphaeus as well? So we could maybe assume that, that this James and Matthew were brothers, but there's no indication here that this James wrote this epistle. Then there's James, the father of Judas, the disciple. I cannot imagine having a son that uh, would be known throughout the centuries of the human race, the individual that betrayed Christ, that he sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. How it must have broke his heart. But this is not the James that wrote this letter. And now, let's take a look at James, the brother of the Lord. He seems like he's probably the most likely uh, candidate in which we're going to be studying tonight. And here's what I love about him. He didn't identify him as, I am the brother of the Messiah. I'm the brother of Jesus Christ. He called himself a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to know that 
That speaks of his humility. But don't take his humility as weakness. And I'll talk about that a little later. That we know that Jesus' brothers, during the Jesus' lifetime of his, well, his three years specifically of preaching the gospel, that these brothers never came to Jesus Christ at that time. It was only after his death. And that it's interesting that we're able to see this, this amazing life and, and how it was, was touched by Jesus. But somewhere along the line, something happened because we see that this James, while the disciples were up in the upper room. And if he was an unbeliever, why would he be there? But obviously, something happened. So I, I wonder what that was to change from unbelief to faith. Well, we read in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, verse 7, where it indicates that Jesus appeared to James after that resurrection. And then James, I'm sure, convinced his other siblings who this actually was, and they became followers of Christ. Then James became, shortly after that, became the leader in the church in Jerusalem. This is like being, um, uh, this is the Washington, D.C. of the church. Is he was at the main city, being in the main church, being the leader there. And the thing that was interesting, too, is that he had an incredible endorsement that we read in Galatians 2.9 where the apostle Paul, and he didn't just throw out compliments so easily, but he called James a pillar. Then Peter, well, when he came, was delivered out of prison, he sent a message specifically to this James. And then, and then when Paul visited Jerusalem, it was James that he brought his greetings and he brought a love offering. And get ready for this. That love offering was from the Gentiles. What an amazing reputation that this man had so quickly. Now, tradition tells us that the way he may have died is that he was thrown down the temple stairs and that he was beaten to death with clubs. We're not 100% sure of that, but there is, the tradition tells us of these things. Now, what kind of man was James? Well, we know that he's a very special person because, well, he was the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And so very quickly... That church in Jerusalem had some issues. <laughs> they were, um, there was fraction that was going on, and we read about that in Acts the 15th chapter. And it's not because James was this great negotiator with people. It's that this James understood the word of God, and he brought peace by using that word of God into that church. And 1 Corinthians 9, 5 tells us that he was a married man. And here's, here's something that you may want to be known for, maybe not, is that he was known for having camel knees, knees that were, were wrinkled and hard as a camel's knees because he prayed so often. What an amazing man. And, and, and we see that, that he was, well, even though he was humble, 
there is over 50, over 50 imperatives in the epistle of James where he didn't suggest something, he commanded it. Here, here's, here's what I want you to hear, that even while he was an unbeliever, he was still listening to the teachings of his brother, or half-brother, actually, of Jesus. His father was Joseph, and brother, the father of Jesus was the Holy Spirit. And, and, and he would particularly make note of the Sermon of the Mount. What I'm saying there is don't start talking about Christ. You may think that unbelievers are not listening, but they were because we see that James was listening to the teachings of his brother Jesus. That, and keep in mind that he was pastoring in a most difficult time in Jerusalem in this church. The second question in understanding the epistle of James is to whom did James write to? What we see in the second part of that first verse is to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. He said, greetings. He was writing this message to the Israelites, to, to the um, people of Israel. And, and, and they scattered abroad all over. And, and he, was, he was speaking to those Christian Jews. In fact, he addressed them 19 times in this epistle as brother. And, and that Greek word scattering, what, what it actually means is sowing a seed in many, many places. Wherever that seed was planted, it bore fruit. They, and this church had some, some pretty heavy-duty needs, and these people did. did. Did you know that James, and that being a Jew, they would be rejected by the Gentiles? And being a Christian Jew, they were being rejected by their own people. And it indicates that this church, these believers, were very poor. And the, they were being um, oppressed by the rich. <laughs> Sounds like there should be a march there in Jerusalem over these issues. But let's look at why James wrote this letter. In, in the New Testament letters, they were written for specific reasons. They had a purpose. They had a theme. They had a destination where they wanted to take them. Paul wrote the book of Romans to prepare the people for his visit to, uh, there in Rome. First Corinthians, it was written for, to the church in Corinth to deal with some specific problems. In Galatians, is written to the group of churches because they were dealing with legalism and with false teachings. And as we read this epistle of James, we begin to discover that these people, they did have problems, but they were working on them, and they were testing their faith. They had the temptations of sin. They, some were catering to the rich. Some were being robbed by the rich. There, there were people who were competing for offices in the church, and I think they were competing for it because they wanted the church to be led their way, not the way that, that James has done that. I really believe that, that James, in a very quick period of time, began to fall in love with his 
brother who was the Messiah and the Word of God. The basic theme of this letter that he is writing is to speak about the maturity of the Christians. They use the word perfect several times. And, and that word perfect wasn't meaning that they were sinless men. It means that they were mature. They were balanced. They were growing up, if I could say that. And even in that need that, that of that church as it was growing, there was still room for more maturity. And, and, and I really believe that there is that kind of room that we need to have in our lives as in this chaotic season, this is a time in which we really need to grow up. It's, it's not about us. It is about the gospel of Jesus Christ and touching the lives of people. I'm starting a new series this Wednesday night, and it's entitled Thriving in Chaos. It is an absolute amazing study. I, I can't wait for you to hear it, of what I will be sharing with you this coming Sunday morning. Because if you're struggling with all the chaos that is going on, maybe it's time for us to grow up and, and hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And we're going to be studying there the book of Daniel, and it's, it's just a marvelous insight of how we can not um, survive, but thrive in the midst of this chaos. James was thriving in the midst of the chaos that we are looking at. We, we're going to be looking at things out of James 1, verses 1 through 4, and dealing with the impatience and difficulties. Wow. Talking about uh, not living the truth. It's not just talking it, it's living it. No, I'm speaking about how we need to control our tongue in James 3, 1. <laughs> is, uh, that's kind of a need today, isn't it? People to learn how to control the tongue. Uh, fighting and, and against and dealing with coveting and, and, and the bickering among themselves and and even the greed in James 5 when dealing with collecting material toys. Here's something that I am absolutely convinced in. In, in the 47 years of ministry, 20 years at Chandler First, that there is always room for improvement. There's always room to grow and mature. I, I pray that that in a year from now, you could, could say, thank God, I'm different then than you were today. And, and, and as we continue to grow, God continues to mature us because, you see, he is in a process. The Holy Spirit is in a process of conforming us into his image. Don't you think that that is demanding some... Uh, time to um, grow up? See, how can we get the most out of this study? Well, here's what I want us to do is I want us to prepare our hearts to receive whatever is being spoken of and asking the Holy Spirit, is that 
speaking to me. Because many of those issues that we're going to be studying there in that book of James are in existence this very day. You know, if we were teenagers, we would measure our growth by people that we admire, that we want to be like them. And that person may be a very good person, but, but even the best of us have shortcomings. You see, when we look at the book of James, is that we're not looking that, well, I'm better than so-and-so, so I'm doing pretty good. What we're doing is looking at how a pattern of spiritual maturity is measured by the Word of God. And I know that everyone who grows old, well, we pray that they grow up. But age has nothing to do with maturity. And, and his word says this. He, he says that his ways are much higher than ours. What I ask of you is, let's take the high road. Let's see what God has for us. Because we are in the season, in this battle of, of the world around us, that I believe that he's calling us as a mature congregation to come together to see what he wants to say to us as individuals. As, as we park out in that parking lot on Saturday morning, I, I believe that God wants to speak into us by the power of his spirit that every single ministry here is led by the Holy Spirit, that it will touch lies, whoever would step into it. I believe God has something very powerful for our children, for our youth, for our adults, for our, our, our grief shares and our women's ministry and men's ministries and, and our life groups and all those things that we will be praying over. But we want to be led by the Spirit. We don't want those programs to be something which we want we want those ministries to be something in which God wants. And in the maturity of our walk in Christ, we were able to be a part of something great. We have, we have already launched into this mainstreaming ministry now for the very first time that there are other social ministries that we're going to be doing and touching people's lives. Do you know that we're having 10 times more, maybe even more than that, people that we are reaching through our, our broadcast? And those are recorded. Not our, now these are start becoming live streaming. Lives are being touched not only here in our community, but throughout the United States and around the world, we are living in a different time. And we need to have the maturity of the Holy Spirit in our lives to be able to take that step of faith in this new season that God has given to us. Next Wednesday night, Pastor James will be teaching out of James 1, verses 2 through 12, turning trials into triumph. Or don't we need that this day? But we have to be willing. 
I can't grow up unless I'm open to the Holy Spirit to bring correction and direction into our lives and follow the leading of the Spirit. If that is you, he wants to do something with you this very evening. He wants to begin a growth walk with you. In, in, if there is anything that is separating you from that relationship with Jesus Christ, let this night say, let's get things together here. Let's renew our walk with Christ. Because if you're having issues at home, maybe with the kids or coworkers or just that claustrophobia of, of being locked up in a house for so long, it really could be a spiritual thing. Because God wants to do something internal before he could ever do anything externally. Let's grow up, church. Let's see what that mature body of Christ not only could look like, but what we could be.